Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Eric Larson is the man of the hour. We're going to be taking a look at that initial Savage Dragon 3-issue miniseries from Image Comics. Uh, without further ado, Eric, thanks so much for joining us. And before we jump into things, what's going on uh, with, with you right now with the Dragon, with forthcoming uh, releases, artist editions of the first uh, miniseries perhaps? I, I I don't know. Maybe could <laughs> happen. I wouldn't put it past me. I'm still making the Savage Dragon comic. Nearly 31 years later, so that's fantastic, man. What number are we at at this point? Uh, I'm working on. What am I working on? 266, I think. 266, Uncle Todd. <laughs> Uncle Todd, what's your world's records, man? This is Eric making his own comic. <laughs> I just saw, I think, the solicitation for the 30th anniversary issue, a big, like, 100-page. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a weird anniversary to, to celebrate because it's 30 an 30th anniversary of the ongoing series. It's like, come on, man. Wait, wait, why, you, why didn't you do 30th anniversary of when the character was introduced? What the hell's wrong with you? And it was just a matter of, oh, yeah, I... I Totally spaced out. <laughs> the, I guess I'll just take an anniversary of the of the ongoing book. Jimmy has a couple years on me, uh, and my my introduction to the dragon is actually the ongoing. So I, I found this just a little bit later uh, after I got that uh, that issue number one with the with the Steve Olive color. And uh, one of the things I wanted to ask up front, Eric, is was a. Uh, you know, this is Image Comics now. Like, you, this is your own imprint. This is your own company. Uh, you make all the decisions. So, uh, as opposed to the Spider-Man stuff, where it's like all creative work, now you got to do some administration and you got to you got to develop a um, a creative team. You're not going to be layering yeah. this thing. You're not going to be coloring this thing. It looks like the guys uh, are carrying over from your Spider-Man work. Yeah, yeah. I was just following the path of least resistance. <laughs> just going. Oh yeah, I know you. I know you too. Let's let's just do that. Was it nerve wracking knowing that you were going to have this extra expense, uh, you, like four colorists, four letters? Like, do you remember how that part worked out? Did you just kind of match their rates or something? Yeah, I think so. I don't even I don't even recall what what the deal was. I think it was just like, oh, you get paid this, okay, I, I'll do that, and they were all happy to be there. Do you remember Marvel putting any pressure on them? It, it seems like at some point early on when you guys announced Image... There was, there was no um, uh, no talk of that. I didn't hear anything about that. Uh, there was... Uh, yeah, that just never came up. Um, they, they did initially... Uh, they were kind of... They're kind of shitheels initially, just to, just as like we got to stop these guys. So they would be so they like contacted Todd McFarlane and and because he had skulls on uh, on uh, the Spawn costume, and they were going, "Hey, you're tr infringing on the trademark of the Punisher's famous skull." And he told them to go piss up a rope, basically. Grassman and straws. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, it's like, how many, oh, really, you, you guys invented skulls? That's right. weird. I was going to say, did you hear that story and then add uh, Cutthroat's <laughs> costume? Quite a few skulls there on uh, page it's one. It's just, I mean, it's ridiculous when you start going down that route. It's like, oh, okay. 
You're gonna tell me you own the color green now too? Is that, that what goes on? But I had a I had a done a story in Marvel Comics Presents where I had uh, I had a sort of a pseudo Savage Dragon looking dude in there. So Marvel was like going, "Hey, you can't use this guy. We own this guy." I was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> I was just kind of doing a sort of a tip in the hat, a tip of the hat to myself there before I even started. I gotta find like, that oh. issue. Yeah, that'll be a good was, episode. That was bad news. Uh, yeah, that Marvel comic presents forty-eight through fifty. I think I did a story. I might have. And this. Uh, this dragon type showed up in forty-nine and fifty, and then I killed everybody. So it, was, it should be fine. Who's Janie Wong? Oh, Janie's my wife. Okay. I just thought, oh, there should be an editor. She she's never read any of them. And at one point, she caught she saw one of the covers that she found particularly offensive, and said, "You got to take my name out." Of <laughs> I I, I, th I think Todd has that same story with uh with uh, yeah, yeah pretty with much Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, anything else uh, on the early part here? Yeah, I'm interested in in Digital Chameleon's role because throughout this miniseries, you have cover and pinup by Eric Larson, like you're coloring those. And I'm curious, like, what does that look like that you're coloring? And what is Digital Chameleon doing? And who are they? Uh, Digital Chameleon is uh, Laverne Konzerski's company up in uh, Canada. And uh, he had done color separations for uh, Youngblood. So that was the connection there. He had, he had done like their first couple issues. And, uh, and so it was like, all right. Um, and I, so I did, a, I did like a markup with, a, with markers on the cover, the first three covers. I was just like, oh, I'll do this. And then uh, I don't even I don't know who pasted up all the, the logos. I think it must have been them. Uh, I didn't write cover copy for the first issue, which says first brutal issue or whatever. I don't I don't know that I or maybe I did. Maybe they had something really dumb because I think they they because this was. Um, Initially, initially, it was through Malibu Comics. Right, right. First year, so they they were kind of walking us through the process before we said, ah, "We don't need you guys." Yeah. But <laughs> uh, would Digital Chameleon add all of these like um like the highlight kind of stuff? I did. I did all that stupid oh, wow. stuff in in uh in my markup when I did it. That's fascinating. That, when you uh, there's that. Uh, what do you call that? I don't even know what you call those editions. I just did that really big fat book of Savage Dragon. It was an omnibus of sorts, but I can't remember what we, what our special name was. I don't even remember. I'm so I'm so lame with this. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, but in, in the back of that, I show what my my, my uh, color markups look like for the number of that. things that I did. Yeah, that's a reason so. to track it down. Um, do you remember why these two logos are colored differently? These are both. They say first printing in the Indicia, but you can see that there's clearly a little difference there. Well, the idea was that I was going to do different pinups that ran in all of them. So if you flip to the center, there should be different pinups. I see. Let's take a look. And that was a way yes. of indicating, hey, there's a pinup here of a million dudes. 
there's a pinup there of just the dude. And they, they screwed up with that because the pinups I had done uh, and wanted to be in there, they, they used two of them. And then two, they just picked some other random drawings that I had done with, with just the dragon on them and no background. And so we ended up running the pinups I had done for issues two and three, or for in issues two and three. So there are two two different versions of issue one then? There are four versions of the first issue. So there's four different pinups. It's, uh, it, they're all different drop shadows. I think the, 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 uh, the magenta that's in the logo is a special color that we had to pay extra money for. Yeah, but probably like a fluorescent. You can see a little difference. Yeah, so... That's pretty subtle. You know, like like we've been reading this comic for our whole lives practically, man, and never picked up on that. Uh, and, I, and I actually have two or three rounds of, of this, like, in the boxes, so I got to see, like, uh, which ones I have. Yeah, there's, there's like, four different posters. Um, and then you can, when you open them up, you'll go, like, oh, this wasn't intended to be a poster because it's just a shot of dragon jumping in the air with his fist and it's like that's there's no background somebody else slapped a color in there what the hell's going on just Um, just to kind of foreshadow the the end of this particular issue when we get the editorial page that illustrates that the eric has been make a comics maker pretty much his whole life (laughs) eric we we gotta sort of be honest with you man And, and this is like the one readable image comic from that period and it's the one that suitably sets up a universe. Uh, it's a good issue number one. It's a good opening salvo to introduce us to this character and the whole world in the universe. And it might be the only one that feels like, you know, you're, you're taking us by the hand to show us this new creation. And I can't help but think that having a whole lot of comics making, whole kit and caboodle, writing and drawing from the days of zero, you know, typing paper comics, uh, yeah, serve, serve you well here. <laughs> yeah, I did a bunch of them. I mean, it was, it's all just reading a million comics and internalizing it, everything. Just trying to go, well, what are the rules here? What, what can I do? What can't I do? What makes sense? What doesn't make sense? It's a lot of communicating a lot of stuff in very few pages. You know, I think we're going to look at 60 pages of comics uh, and... A lot of them were splashes and two-page splashes, but so much gets introduced. Yeah, it's pretty dense. I was super psyched for all the Image Comics whenever you guys make that announcement. And then after like I had gotten the first issues of everybody's book, from that point on, it was like Dragon <laughs> yeah. for me. Like It comes to the front right away, and I, I didn't have that many comics, so I would go back and reread this stuff. And I can remember going through this, and especially as I would get like issue two and then three, and you had this formula of like splash page, double splash page in, these, in this miniseries, and I was so hooked on just like, it was such a punch in the face. Yeah. Like get a new Savage Dragon and it was just from page one off and running. And it's probably before you saw Kirby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't have been a lot of Kirby in my in my library <laughs> at that point. But it makes for such a great, as Ed says, like this is how you start a series. Yeah. Yeah. It's like something's going on. <laughs> Holy hell. This is awesome. And perhaps when you collect all these... Uh, piece of original art into that forthcoming artist edition, uh-huh. we'll, we'll be able to 
tell without asking the question, but I do wonder, is Chris uh, Iolopoulos, is his lettering on your boards or is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, he, somebody was lettering on the boards up through issue 177, I think. So it was, it was letter on the boards for, for a long, long time, or maybe 187. It was a long time. Where was he was located? Uh, he's in New Jersey. So you're shipping your artwork back mm -hmm. and forth across the country. Yeah, and, and I was shipping in cave art. This is really just uh, figure placement. If I fell in love with some drawing, I might uh, go to town and just be like, I'm just going to ink this face, but I know where the word balloons go, so I'll leave space for those. See, this is a fascinating conversation because... Mm. You know, me and Jimmy, we, we we do all the work on our own comics. So there's no expenses yeah. beyond paper and yeah. pens and ink and stuff. But you're mm -hmm. you got a foot a bill of what do you think your overhead was for letterer, colorist, FedEx to get the stuff lettered? Like it, it's got to be hundreds of, if not a couple thousand yeah, bucks yeah, an it issue. Was, it was it was a fair amount, but you know, at that point, I'd been doing. Spider-Man for a while. I I did have some money in the bank, sure. even though, I mean, we we just bought a house, so I, that was <laughs> that drained everything. Yeah. Are you sending the original art to Laverne to like scan it to get it ready for the computer coloring, or are you scanning it yourself? Probably, How's that work? probably sending the original physical artwork. So it's so it's more FedExing yeah. and stuff. So that was yeah, that was a lot of a lot of driving. A lot of FedExing, a lot of putting stuff in boxes, and hoping for the best. When you would lay and out, then, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. And then he just did the he just did the first issue because uh, we were at a convention and um, uh, Greg was there and he had met Steve Olaf that was there, and Steve Olaf was was had sat down with him and he was like, okay, now if I were separating it, I'd do this and this and this. And, and Greg was like, we got to get this guy separating a book. And so it's like, all right. So starting with, with issue two, all the optics took over. But by that point, I think I'd, had, I'd drawn all three of the covers. And so Digital Chameleon did all those. So the covers don't look quite as pretty as, as the insides. As, as a kid, it was really noticeable, uh, that, that part, because of, like, lots of room for white. Uh, all the optics would yeah. rarely do that. And then uh, the kind of interesting cement uh, rock texture on, on bedrock, as he was known here, is something that you wouldn't see in too much. So you see Brian Murray with uh, Rob Liefeld playing with some weird textures and things. But, yeah, uh, but that's the same thing. It's, that's Digital Chameleon deciding, hey, let's make this, this guy this. Because they had a... They had Photoshop, an early version of Photoshop, and then uh, Ole Optics had had something called Cod Barrett. And there's advantages and disadvantages to the two color systems at that point. Um, the problem with uh, Photoshop at that point was if you did a, a diagonal jag of where a color meets another color, there would be very obvious staircasing where you could just see, you know, where the edge of the color was and it would be making these steps 
So what, what you tend to do with Photoshop is you go, I'm just going to use an airbrush tool and just smooth out all those things so we don't have that weird looking edge. And then they had uh, Photoshop had access to all these different textures and stuff. So like, oh, I can make this look like rock and I can make this look like whatever. The Cod Barrett system didn't have the staircasing so they could have hard cuts where one color was meeting another color. And, it, and I thought at that point, it was like, well, I, I like the only optics stuff way better because I liked having those hard lines in there. Whereas the uh, the other stuff, everything kind of looks soft. Yeah. So I was like, "Give me this." I I don't care that they can't make rock look like a photograph of rock. I you know I don't even want that anyway. Right. I thought, that, I thought those when they would do those weird textures in there, it always looked it always looked foreign to me. Like, why is this there? This looks like. Roger Rabbit, where there's a cartoon standing in front of a photograph. That, that doesn't look nice. Yeah, it's the part that aged out the quickest when computer coloring came into the mix. Uh, they, yeah. Everybody seems to agree, like, yeah, get, get rid of that one. We'll deal with the banding piece. When you would lay out these these pages, mm -hmm. uh, because you, there's a great command of the page turns in this issue, which you probably weren't able to um, have full control over with the Marvel DC stuff because of ad placements and things, right? Well, the at least at that point with Marvel Comics is they didn't have those summary pages which threw everything off. And you could stick a double page spread in there and which would force them to force their hand. Right. But, um, for the most part, their ads were placed in such a way that, that left-hand pages were going to be left-hand pages, which is enormously helpful. Um, and every now and then there'd be something where they'd sell three ads or something and toss it, it all got out of whack. But this was definitely a situation where I was going, I, I can control what's on a left hand, what's on a right. So I'm definitely writing to the page turn throughout. And, and when you would lay things out, would you lay it out as a spread? Like kind of see both pages at a time? I'd be, I'd certainly be aware of them. I'm not necessarily putting the two pages next to one another, but, um, uh, but I'm definitely, I'm always really conscious of, I don't want to have two pages both bleeding into the gutter and then forming an unintentional double page spread. Right. So that's that's one of the real risks of kind of bleeding everything. So you can see on the left-hand page that the only thing that's bleeding off is the is that left-hand lower panel. And then on the right side, there's a black border along the whole thing, which allowed me to be able to bleed off uh, panel one on the right-hand page. Eric, is this texture uh, like a duo shade or is that a screen tone? Uh, that's that's me cutting out uh, Zipatone or whatever brand name it was at the time. Yeah, a couple hack or Letraset or right. A couple examples of that here, man. You got you got some here. Got some different. Yeah, I was here. using it all over the place. I, I, I love that stuff. It, it's not really that available now. I still use it a little bit, um, 
but now you can do Photoshop effects where you're just like, I can, I can have endless Zipatone. I've got several things where I'm, where I've got files of Zipatone that I've scanned in so I can just use them endlessly. Here's one but it's kind of cool to have it on the physical original art too. Totally. This is one of the great page turns in Savage Dragon comics right there, man. It's iconic moment. There you go. This is what happened earlier. Yeah. Remember this? <laughs> it's amazing for how dense this miniseries feels that you're still able to have these kinds of splash pages and still have like that graphic impact. You know, like nothing's off the table in terms of put a splash page in, like really have this thing hit. It's a good moment. And yet the book is still so full. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it's, and it's still good, uh, you know, an image with storytelling value, because I only see two toes on this guy. It makes me very mm -hmm. curious about him. What's he all about? Yeah, and Dragon's fin is all over the place. Sometimes <laughs> it's sticking up, sometimes it's sticking out. It's, I really have not figured it out yet. There is a lot of Savage Dragon fin criticism on the Cartoonist <laughs> Kayfabe channel. Never with you. But it's more with it's more with the guys who stop here. Like they never draw the the bottom right. part. They kind of stop there. So it's a mohawk sticking up, rather than yeah. like a yeah. That that drives me crazy. Um, and it, but it also it took me like a bunch of issues before I really settled on something because I was it was a mess. Like some of those pinups and some of the early drawings. Like oh, that's that's no good, man. What are you doing? Super cool visuals here with the lightning. I was going to say, also, it's a great page in that we've just gone from the, the opening five pages, super action-packed, yeah. all kinds of motion and fighting, and now we come here and it's this more thoughtful page. And I can remember yeah. reading an interview with you, Eric, where you talked about Spider-Man and how you love to draw facial expressions. And, you know, you have that r long run on Spider-Man where, like, you don't get to draw the facial expressions. I know, it's such a weird... It's like, what, why am I on this character? But it's so strong. And, you know, like, here we've gotten a couple of quiet pages as we get into, like, Dragon Origin, or at least what has come before. And yeah. it's just conversation, and it's so interesting to see that range. Yeah, that was fun to do, too, the, that 15-panel uh, grid page. Nearly dark, nearly dark Knight Returns. And we talk yeah. about differences in uh, like readability with some of the other image comics. I don't feel like the other image comics were bringing this level of cartooning. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you about that. <laughs> <laughs> so this Super Patriot uh, costume, is this a, a relic of uh, your, your days of yore uh, when you were a kid making comics? Uh, somewhat. A lot of these characters got uh, an update. He originally had like a Superman belt and underpants. So he would have had red shorts in those, those old comics. And I didn't use him very much also. He's, he's barely used in my old comics. Yeah. That's such a great transition to go from here's some real estate for a nice action shot, cool figure, yeah, and then cut to him on TV. It's great. It's a great economy. Some more of that digital chameleon stuff. Oh, yeah. Good job, guys. <laughs> you know what's funny? I put noise in a lot of my comics, and this is what it looks like in the first step. Right, yeah, sure. Eric, did you think about, um, like I've heard other image guys talk about putting an anchor or something exciting on each page as a way to, you know, maybe make that, original art uh more sellable 
but I see you doing like a lot of these like really great images. Did you think that way in page design? Like put something, you know, exciting yeah, on well, each page? Kind of the idea you try as much as you can is, is just so that a lot of times when people are making the decision on if they're going to buy a book or not, they're flipping through it at the store. So you want to have it, it, it it's a good turn, you know? You're just flipping through it. It's like, oh, there's, there's a bunch of stuff going on there maybe this one's for me so you know having there be cool close-ups or or that that cutaway page on the on the right where the character's standing there just different things of just trying to get catch a reader's eye there's a lot of energy in this inking and i wonder if you're if you're a fast anchor yeah pretty fast is this all all Hunt 102 inking on these? Uh, mostly, yeah. Mostly Hunt 102 filling in with a with a brush. Um, yeah, I was never a good brush guy because I hold a pencil like a gorilla, <laughs> so it's just it just doesn't work. But a 102 seems to seems to do the trick. So like when I'm doing this uh, speed lines, I would have been using. Uh, rapidograph on those at that point later on i'd be using uh thin markers but so we're talking like uh, a couple different rapidographs yeah. of different yeah, line weights different. and stuff yeah so you just you know you plug attack in your drawing board and we're on a line savage dragon right. working at the docks carrying some stuff and we get some new baddies to show off yeah yeah, Todd McFarlane was giving me all kind of grief about my first issue because he's like, "Oh, you're doing a single character book, huh? How do you see this character here and this character? I see there's like fifty new characters introduced <laughs> in your single character book." <laughs> like, yeah, I was not saving any time at all. I just like, I want to. Here's everything. I'm doing a million guys. Yeah, it's so great too because because you've been so generous. <laughs> like the entire time by just like every new idea it just feels like your your comic runs at such a fast pace and you're just any new ideas you have like you could put it in next month's issue How about yeah, the that's the that thing is a, a lot of this stuff is because i made up a million characters as a kid and so it's like i want to get all these guys in print immediately I, i've got to get this done and then uh and then i was just full of youthful youthful energy how old were you uh when you made this uh, 29. Wow. When, so, yeah, by, by, by that point, I was a, a seasoned vet and had done all the Marvel comics and runs at DC and everything. How old were so, you when you got in the game professionally with, like, even, say, Megaton, but, but certainly with, like, Doom Patrol or something? Uh, with Megaton, I was 19. So, and then... Ago. So I'm not sure how old I was by the time Doom Patrol rolled around. Probably 24, I want to say. Because before that, I worked at a, did some stuff in AmeriComics, and I did uh, DNA Agents over at Eclipse. Right. I had done a, a Hulk versus Thor story that was an inventory job that sat around for a few years before it finally showed up in an issue of Thor. And that thing, that got me all kinds of work. 
Hey, here's here I am playing to my strengths. These two guys kicking the crap out of each other for 22 pages. Gotta grab that issue and put that on the channel. You know what I like about uh, a skull face guy getting punched in the jib? Is he doesn't have eyelids to close his eyes to feel the impact, so he has to take it. He has to, he has to watch the impact. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this hurts. Okay. Yeah, it's so good. It's really great with the motion lines because he's perpendicular to them. Oh, like he is stopped at that fist, yeah. as opposed to here where it's like he's moving with those those lines. You know, like the speed's <laughs> accentuated and then just stop. <laughs> yeah, and, that's and, that's great. And just gets a disrespectful bitch slap. Like he's nothing to the dragon. Yeah. Yeah, that's a squash yeah, I match. Like that, that he's just not moving at all. Eric, when did, uh, like in the process of making this comic and doing Image, at what point did it go from, this is going to be a fun experiment, I'm going to get to do the comic I want, and I'm going to put everything in, to you going, oh, Image works. We're going to do the ongoing series. We're going to do more of this. Like, look at these numbers. Did that happen, like, early in the in the process? It happened pretty pretty early on. See now, this transition was should have been a page turn, ah. but because it, because I had the pinup thing in the middle, I was like, oh, I can I can use that to my advantage. Yeah, but uh, it it would have been a better flip to go from hey, these guys are having this conversation it's at the end of a page. I'm gonna I'll protect you. Don't worry. Boom. Yeah, you will. <laughs> I feel like I detect a little Simonson in, in, in the inking, and uh, I certainly yeah. feel like I detect yeah. some workmen in the lettering. Was was that a directive that you gave Chris, or that's just his natural Yeah, inclination? pretty much. He knew I liked workmen. <laughs> in fact, uh, I, I when Chris eventually did leave the book, uh, I, I got workmen to letter it. So it's like, he was like, now you can get the real guy. I was like, all right. But... That didn't last long. <laughs> Our second yeah. fire with Savage Dragon. Yes. Second fire, nice, nice silent page, him falling down. And then another one of these great, got a new character, new superhero yeah. character. Let's get a money yeah. shot in there. So, so is this one of your, the first characters you created? Because I see some stuff in interviews and even in the back here where it talked about your love of Captain Marvel. Yeah, he, Mighty Man was introduced in uh, Megaton. He was created for that. I see. So um, I think I'm not sure. There was a uh, the Comics Buyers Guide had a create a character contest kind of thing early on, and he was one of the characters that I submitted to that. So I'm not sure if I created him for that, and then we used him in Megaton. Or if he was going to be in Megaton, and but any any case, I like the idea of uh, a, a nurse getting accidentally turned into Mighty Man, it's, and just the idea. And and at that point, my thought was uh, that when Billy said the magic word, he became a different guy. Yeah like with a different personality because i'd read all the old captain marvel comics because my dad bought them when he was a kid sure so i grew up with all those so it was pretty clear in most of those comics that he became a, a different human being because they would exchange christmas gifts and their <laughs> stories where the lightning bolt hit somebody else and he still turned into captain marvel and still had the same personality 
So I was like, well, clearly these are two separate guys. So I'm going to do something different and have it that when they change into the superhero, it'll be the same personality of the person who, who made the transformation. I thought I was doing something different. And it turns out they've since made it that, I don't know, he's, Billy is Captain Marvel, same personality. It's like, Oh, I love the reading experience again going back to my childhood it just felt like this was a whole world you know like like by showing a little bit of Mighty Man and giving his backstory it gave a history to this book like this mm -hmm. is new Savage Dragon it's a new character yeah but it's in a world that's like this real world yeah that was the idea was to, to make it like here's this is a world that has existed for a while and while this is the beginning of the Savage Dragon character and giving you his stepping stone as to how he got to be who he is, um, he's, he's part of this world that has been there for forever and characters dating back to the 40s. This is definitely the, the, the comic that I read the, the most amount of times of any of the, uh, the, the image, uh, the early image books. And uh, I even did like some sort of diagramming and stuff and, and to try to figure out like, okay, here's how you make like a, a, a solid action comic. Uh, and there's always, uh, in each of these issues, I think there's like one page of like domesticity, like like him kind of wrap into like a new girl or something. So you like build that page in there. <laughs> uh, I just tried to deconstruct this as much as, as, much as possible. Want to remind everybody that we have a cartoonist kayfabe patreon now three different levels there give you access to our videos early and at the highest level the king kayfaber level you can actually sit in on our recording sessions have a conversation with us while we are recording these videos every week get a leg up on the kayfabe effect and track down the books we talk about before everybody else is going after them so save yourself some money and in some cases save yourself the ability to actually find the book sometimes they disappear if it's something a little bit rare Cartoonist Kayfabe is also brought to you by the books that we make. Ed Piscor's Hip Hop Family Tree, big omnibus collection announcement just made. Going to collect all of the Hip Hop Family Tree books in one volume with 140 extra pages. You can pre-order that one now. Get it in time for the uh, holiday seasons. Uh, the perfect gift, and if you're missing a volume, it's a way to read it all in one place. WYSIWYG, X-Men Grand Design, and Red Room are Ed's other books. And starting in a couple of months, Red Room Crypto Killers will be out and available. You can see the cover to Crypto Killers number two, which you can pre-order now. You can see my variant cover for Red Room one based on Rob Liefeld's Youngblood one. There's a sketch cover coming up, and there's your standard cover for Red Room Crypto Killers number one. There's also Peach Momoko that'll probably be making its uh, debut in public very soon. My latest book, Street Angel, Princess of Poverty, is available now for pre-order from Image Comics. It collects all of the Street Angel comics that are not in Deadliest Girl Alive, so add that to your pull list. Hulk, Grand Design, Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, and The Plain Janes are my other recent books that are still available in print wherever you buy books, so add those to your collection while you can. Well, I drew this image a bunch of times, and my mom got a little degree, like a frame for degrees, and like, framed it for me <laughs> nice yeah i've seen that one drawn by a bunch of different people over the years yeah it's such a fucking badass image man a bandolier of big ass bullets like 50 caliber you shoot somebody with that half their body disappears <laughs> and then you got the flip I up no i really had no idea 
<laughs> Listen, it's comics. Yes. It's comics, man. Like, uh, got the bandages on the face. Did Sin City come out at this time? Must have, right? Yeah, I'm sure it did. Um, uh, there's a lot of Frank Miller. Uh, Frank Miller and Walt Simonson, I'm, I'm very much influenced by it at that point. These pages also read as, like, com complete units. Like, a lot of them have, yeah. like, it's a complete scene or it's a complete thought or it's a cliffhanger at the end of it. And did you, was that something you were conscious of? Like writing out these pages is like each page is just this punch, you know, like it's, it's just this effective piece oh, yeah. of storytelling. Yep. And, and I was trying to avoid uh, transitional captions and stuff. So mostly if I'm doing a scene change, it's going to be with a page turn. Yeah. So there's a lot of that going on. Just lingering on this a bit, man. You got your stationary fella <laughs> flips well, look, how, look how messed up his fin is at that point <laughs> it's, got, it's just like it's it's going up in a weird angle and it's got way too many uh only, sections only you it. see it only you see it man it all looks great to us man and then <laughs> goes up comes down boom still holding those um, big ass guns yeah really great with the figure too you know like it's the same form as it's flipping across as he's flipping across the pages there yeah, coming in guys Interacting with the lettering too, you know, where he's in the foreground. Same thing here, where he's in the foreground and your lettering's behind him. That's a really great, great visual. Shooting with intent to kill, man. Looking so badass with the shades on. Butter, 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 butter. And you know, we haven't commented too much, but the coloring, whether it's a, a blue scene where they're yeah. watching TV at, at home at night or guns ablazing, man, that's going to be a lot of red, reds and oranges. Greg Wright is dope, oh. man. Mm -hmm. Enter new dude, star. Yeah, enter yet another dude. <laughs> his his uh, hair did not last more than that that particular scene. I got a letter from some kid saying, "Oh, and star is a babe," and I was like, "Oh no, I got to lose the hair." Because <laughs> <laughs> he is he is not a babe. Eric, <laughs> would you do the the kind of the John Byrne thing of uh, of gritting out the perspectives on the panels that would have perspective or would you just do it as needed i would do it as needed yeah I'd, i've never done that i probably should but i've never done it it's a real nice like three-point perspective one of those one of those bitch kind of perspectives man because you got to set like and it's a big piece of paper would you would you rough your stuff out on a small piece and blow it up or just like work on the big uh, board? at that point no i was doing on the on the board so, so, so what i would have done is is kind of half-assed penciled it out where I had an idea of, okay, it's going to be like this. And then, uh, then just put dots down and run my T square to those. I say that because there's a vanishing point way up on the yeah, page that would require a goddamn yardstick or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's such the way to do it though. When you're going to do that low point perspective, that's your heroic shot. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to do it. Yeah. Were you working from a script at this point, or are you kind of like no. writing it as you lay out your? Wow. Uh, I had I I would do is I'd make a, a list. I do bullet points. Sure. So it'd be you know one page one this page two that, and I I try to keep my entire script to one page. So it's a good way to stay engaged. And then these were all too long too. I I mean I. The reader got a, a, a good chunk of stuff, but later on it was like, no, keep it at 22, man, because 
you did I did five pages over on this one and five on the next I think more than that on the third one it was like I could have had a whole other issue in there yeah yeah and, four issue you know, the book would have come out on a regular more regular basis and yeah everybody would have been happy introducing some more baddies man we got a short or bad, bad guys guy. I had no idea what overlord's costume was at that point so I just had him looking out the window nice <laughs> Did you regret so, uh, Hellraiser's costume here? Because that looks like it would be hard to draw over and over. Uh, no regrets. <laughs> no, he was he was all right. I mean, some of this stuff, it's so, so unfunctional. Like, there's just no way that that guy could walk <laughs> or really do much of anything. And he never used any of that stuff to his advantage. Like, he, he was never pounding people's face against his shoulder or <laughs> butting him or, any, or anything. He or, might slash them with his things on his arm, but I think that's as far as he got. I love that there's a straight up zipper on the cod piece. Yeah. yeah. Got to move in and out of that thing. Uh, Got to be able to take a leak, man. A, a, a shark guy, like this This has to be a character created when you were a kid, no? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, that was Jaws. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, Right when Jaws came out, it was like everybody was doing shark characters. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Do do we see Mako in like the uh, graphic? What what was it? Yeah, he, in graphic fantasy, he was in there. Yeah, 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 he was, yeah. He was a good guy. He was like a, he was like his buddy. Yeah, that's Cause, right. Because Mako and in, initially in the in the comic I did when I was a, a real little kid, uh, he started off as a bad guy and then. He and Dragon became pals somehow. I completely forgot how, but they did. And, so, and this, so. is, this is the part where you talk about that stuff. And this is transformative editorialization right here. This is so important to read. I read this part over and over and over again. Uh, I, I was making comics on typing paper at this time with no initiative. Nobody told me to do that. And it just felt like this is all I have. And to read that, like, an actual established pro who made such a cool comic started out that same way was a bolstering of those convictions of, like, okay, this is maybe the path to uh, become a <laughs> Yeah, initially, I would do is I would take a stack of paper and fold it in half and staple it up the side and then start drawing my comic. And then by the time I got to the end of the comic, my cover was all curled around <laughs> in terrible shape. And it was like... This is like the worst way of doing it. It wasn't until some, some like a year into it that I was going, oh, I could draw these separately and then staple it after it's done. That's that's way better. It's amazing because like you just have nobody to tell you how to do anything. But it's like your no. initiative, your love of comics, like put you on that path. And, you know, you say some of them are 50 or 100 pages long. Yeah. Yeah. When you do a 100 pager and you've stapled it beforehand, it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you need some kind of industrial stapler to even uh... oh yeah yeah i had i had one of those big old big old staple guns you just like boom <laughs> put it through there. that's amazing it's cool to see too like you talk about graphic fantasy you know it's kind of the the whole history of savage dragon from your childhood comics to self-publishing and the neat thing with graphic fantasy is you recreated that a few years ago and, and released it so you know fans could finally track that down in a in a facsimile like edition yeah yeah that was that was fun. I also colored those stories and ran them as backups and anniversary issues because it's like, hey, these have never been colored before. Let's do that. Try 
try and do the coloring as though I colored him back then. Of course, I suck back then, so <laughs> it looks really terrible. And then I think at some point, I think we did an episode where you re redrew that so, some of that stuff in, in like your modern style. Yeah, no, I, I, the idea of when I came, was doing this at, at Image was um, I had those two stories in graphic fantasy. So I knew that Dragon had gotten his life to a certain point. He was the ex-leader of a government super team. And he was raising his child uh, by himself. And then he had these two adventures. So when I started an image, I was like, well, I don't want to do what I did when I was a little kid because those stories were legitimately terrible and they make no sense because I would just reinvent the wheel with the drop of a hat. Sure. I would be like, yeah, Dragon's this guy. He lives up on this other the red planet and he lives on this big spike and he comes down and and fights bad guys and, and it's like this doesn't make any sense your city is like like a totally normal earth city there is nothing special about it at all but he's living on this giant spike and then i was like no i'll do something else entirely different he's gonna have a uh, there's a be a magic guy and he'll uh, magic wizard and he'll say magic word and he'll change into a god now it could be something else he's gonna be a guy who turns in times of stress into the dragon and then puts on a costume and it's like jesus man settle down come up with something <laughs> so when i when i did this I, my my sort of my last dragon stories that i ever did as a kid were those issues of graphic fantasy so when i started an image i was like this is what I'm working toward, This these stories. So I'm not going to start at the same place. I'm going to start at a way different place. And then I'm going to work towards those stories. And then once I'm to that, I'm free to do whatever the hell I want to. But I felt really for the longest time confined, like, all right, I got to get this in such a place where I can do those stories again. <clears throat> and then some of it, ended up like I can't even use the same characters in that same situation. Initially it was like Dragon's Dragon's girlfriend or that was pregnant and was being held in this pneumatic tube or whatever. And and I when I got to that point the thing was like, I'll have to make it widow or somebody else. Which wasn't quite as visceral in terms of oh i've got to save my my girlfriend with my baby now it's yeah that, that woman over there she's pregnant <laughs> I, I, I like her well enough so let's let's make that happen <laughs> there's also a couple of notes in here like you talk uh you know you had just gotten married you're going to go on your honeymoon uh savage dragon 2 maybe a little bit late as a result and I mentioned all that just to kind of highlight what this letters page is, because that's one of those things that is the Savage Dragon continues on and becomes an ongoing series. Your letter page, I mean, it's one of the last letters pages in comics at this, you know, at this point today. Uh, yeah. It's kind of an amazing rapport that you have from your fans from early on. It was one of the features I always loved when I'd get yeah. a new issue of Savage Dragon was to read your letters pages. Yeah, yeah, that was that's those are fun to put together. <clears throat> and. Yeah, what can I say? <laughs> well, you know, you know, I mentioned it because, like, you are doing everything in a book like this. 
You know, yeah. you're figuring out, do you have a letters page? Do you, you know, maybe mm -hmm. pretend there's an editorial voice? Do you be personal in it? Um, it's just interesting to think whenever you start up a company and you're self-publishing, it's a lot of decisions to make that you that you weren't doing when you were at Spider-Man. Yeah, and, and plus there's nobody, you're not running things past anybody. There's like no other human who's seeing any of this stuff. You just sort of toss it out in the world and hope that people respond to it. Check, out, check, check out this ad right here uh, in Entertainment This Month. They just called the comic Dragon. Uh, did the Savage part come come later? Or? Yeah. So it was yeah. called Dragon. It was, initially it was just going to be called the Dragon or Dragon. And then um, uh, Dragon Magazine said, hey, you can't call it that because we have Dragon Magazine. We can't have two books on the on the stand, both called Dragon. So I, mean, it, I guess it didn't stop Iron Man because there's a fucking Muscle Man comic called Muscle Man Magazine called Iron Man. But um, for some reason, they thought, uh oh, readers are going to get really confused with this superhero and our fantasy role-playing magazine it's gonna be super confusing so um i'd i'd had the savage dragon as a name uh pretty early on because when i was doing my own comics i i had and there ended up being like three different versions of the dragon so one of the ways i differentiated them was i'll go this will be the incredible dragon this is the savage dragon and this is the original dragon. So, uh, Savage Dragon was the was the version that's that, except he had a little Twinkie of a fin on his head. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, Savage Dragon One came out, do you remember in terms of the, like the Image Founders, uh, like where does the release of Dragon happen in the formation of Image Comics? Like I know I know Rob is first. With young Rob's first, I think Spawn was second, and I think Savage Dragon was third. Okay, that was my recollection. All uh, the optics on the color seps. Because we were, um, uh, yeah, Jim Lee joined Jim and and uh, uh, Mark and Wills joined a little later than the than the rest of us. The others, right. And they wanted to get to a certain point in the comics that they were at and leave in a nice place, too. So, oh man, look, Rob's even like soliciting Brigade comics at this point. Yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah, Brigade was really early, too. <laughs> Weirdly enough, <clears throat> you could see the like, it's so funny, man. Like, these comics are so close to me, uh, in terms of like my formative years that I didn't even have to see the credits to tell the Ollie optics was the seps on this. And, and I don't even know it's a warmer palette and all the things that you described about the banding and, and things are. Yeah. Very there's, clear. there's weird stuff that shows up in the coloring uh, at the time. So there is some weird, there's, there's weird stuff when they're doing some of their fades from yeah. a darker color to a lighter color. There'll be some, there'll be some weird banding where you can see like, Oh, it's shifting from this color to this color to this color. Yeah. That's especially the case uh, when they're doing radial blends. Right. You can see some, some strangeness that, that creeps in there. 
And then years later, you know, people are, when they're having to recolor this stuff, they're going, oh, how do we do this cool banding thing? I've done, done it myself, man. Done that, it myself. That, that, that wasn't intentional. That was just a weird thing because of using this Cod Barrett system. It's so funny whenever people do try to emulate a time period and you're really trying to emulate mistakes and technical limitations. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, funny. You don't even know. So I remember... You know, talk about uh, some changes from issue one to this two-page spread. Like the splatter, it just felt much grittier and mm -hmm. blew my mind. Do you remember like going through art changes whenever you were drawing this? No, that didn't seem any different to me. Wow. It just, I mean, it was it was in the dark in a dark scene, so there was definitely some of that going on. I really like this character design, the, the arachnid. Let's talk about the arachnid. Uh, yes. You know, they do call him a Spider-Man of sorts. Uh, yeah. You were coming off of Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, is this pointed to just, anybody specific? Or? Yeah, I was just making fun of, of Marvel Comics. It's just me, me making my editorial. It's such a great uh, visual, like that big fat monster character. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they awesome. really had to redesign him in the in the animated show because <laughs> they just couldn't make that work. He was just such this big bowling ball of a guy that they're just like, all right, we're going to go in a completely different direction. It's like, all right, whatever. That's funny. <laughs> you always hear about like things you can do in comics that you can't do in film or animation right. or whatever. And the idea of like this guy that defies physics or something because he's so big and, and fat. It, well, never heard it's that one just before. like That's all great. the all the pieces of stuff you know all the little things were sure. just kind of rolling around in a weird way the, the animated show is terrible enough without having <laughs> you know i actually I, I just grabbed it recently and and was watching a bunch and it's like uh, barely a punch gets thrown like it really needs to be like a hbo cartoon or or like so something yeah. where you could have some balls and and, and really yeah, do some it, stuff. It, 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 it was had no balls at all <laughs> Eric, was that was that a thing? Like, uh, you know, as we read through here, there's a lot of violence, there's sex, there's, uh, you know, R-rated language. Was that something that you had to really think long and hard about when you were starting this miniseries? Um, well, I kind of wanted to do comics that were a little edgier than Marvel, because there was all sorts of stuff at Marvel that, that because of the comics code, you know, it was like, you can't show an exit wound. You can't have, like, where stuff is coming through a person so i'm like man i'm doing exit wound comics right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be nothing but exit wounds <laughs> and i kind of would but my my own mental thought was this will be like the bridge between marvel comics and vertigo comics vertigo comics there's, it's a little too cerebral and I don't even know. I don't think I've ever read a Vertigo comic. But I just have my idea of what they are. But uh, uh, so my idea was, okay, it's going to be a little bit more mature than the Marvel stuff. At the same time, it's going to be way more immature because I'm doing it. <laughs> Another one of those scenes, man, where like you get one kind yeah. of domestic kind of moment, like an issue. Yes. And so we're going to get in, get out, build a little character. You see that he's a Lothario. The chicks dig him. Yeah, and it's just, you gotta, I was just packing in as much as I could, so back to that five panel wide, bam, 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 lots, lots of little shots. Much, yeah, and then now we're off to 
this, it is super patriotic. Yeah, this is that uh, Jason Bourne stuff or whatever, where like he has no memory, knows nothing, but he can shoot. You know, he's a marksman yeah. expert shooting the same bullet through, through the same bullet hole. Uh, you yeah, give... there's that terrible uh, color mistake in panel three there where Frank is oh, reaching yeah. around the back of his neck and his hand is green. <laughs> a little thalidomide. Oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that give, would be fixed in all subsequent reprints. You give some credit to uh, K. Fabian Nicieze for the uh, co-creation of uh, Super Patriot. Uh, was was this uh, character going to be a Marvel character before Image? Well, what happened was me and Fabian had put in a pitch to do uh, X factor so there was x factor was was vacant and they uh were trying to put together a new thing so we had pitched a book and then uh uh peter david had pitched one and i don't know who else pitched but we put together this thing and we we're like we're gonna have this character and that character and various characters from the books we we're gonna pull in there and then we didn't get we didn't get it. But one of the characters was creature or it's a Crimson Commando. We were going to turn into a uh, a cable like guy, and so we're going to screw up. Fabian had set it up in in the, those the X Men annuals that year that Crimson Commando was just going to get messed up, and they were going to have to rebuild him. And and I was going to facilitate that in this, my Spider-Man. So I had introduced a Cyborg X guy. But initially, when I was drawing him, I was drawing that the Super Patriot costume. And the editor was like, you can't have a guy with a flag mask on uh, shooting up a mall. <laughs> That's too controversial. So... I ended up going, all right, well, I guess I'll redesign him. And then I've got this design that I came up with. I guess I'll use this later. So I ended up coming up with a whole new dude there. Yeah, if, if they would have, if, if that editor hadn't said no, um, that character would be called Commando and he would be a Marvel character. I love that he's got metal arms and legs, you know, like, like this is a, Hardcore cyborg. It's a '90s baby, but he's got chest hair. You, yeah, you did keep a little bit of humanity there, right? <laughs> right in the I middle. Guy, <laughs> like, oh, I lost my arms and legs. <laughs> I love the Super Patriot. Whenever he spins off into his own series, but man, I look at this design and I can't help thinking of the Todd McFarlane toy. Oh, totally. It was Absolutely. such a cool design. Yeah, that was that was like, uh, yeah, I had that. I had that sucker, man. Uh, and the contrast of the white against the blue on this cod piece, like your eye will <laughs> always go there. I was gonna say, looking at this page, this feels like the objectionable part. <laughs> <laughs> it's a redesign of the Chippendale costume. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of that early on. A lot of a lot of cod pieces, but oh well. <laughs> Another domestic scene, Ed. It is, man, okay. and and uh, you you show the the dragon's height as uh, he's it's you know he's not superhero proportions in terms of in terms of height. Right. You know he's a he's a squat, stocky, mother effer, and you sell yeah. it well right there. Yeah, and then uh, I used something in the on the right hand side there. I had all the uh, 
word balloons overlapping to try and lead people down the left hand side. Right. That was that was kind of deliberate to try and go. Okay, right. So that you go let's... here and then there. Yeah. Rather than going to the tall panel directly afterwards. Right. Like, That's oh, amazing. Okay. It really the word it balloons flows. overlap. Every single panel has some overlap. You know, even the beep 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 sound effects to keep yeah. that, that reading consistent. Let's yeah, push, always super clear. And then you and then you break it up too. You have this big face kind of pushing the balloon over there so that you have this big amount of, like the guy who goes right here from there, he needs to get out of reading comics. Yeah, go go get Pokemon cards or something. <laughs> I drew this one a bunch too. Yeah, Jimmy. yeah, I, I drew that one a few times myself. Eric, man, you're on the record. Uh listen, <laughs> listen, you're on the record, man, and we were the students of this shit. We were reading this stuff and uh your hatred of drawing cars is uh, in many of an interview. Uh, so did yeah. you light, light box this motorcycle or did you? Uh, I had a, a friend drew it. Yeah. And uh, he, he had, I went like, I can't draw motorcycles to save my life. So he drew a motorcycle and faxed it to me. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> and then I, I took his motorcycle and, and turned it into my motorcycle. That's so funny. That, that feels like, uh, you know, like a character, like an actor. And they're playing this role. They don't ride motorcycles, but for this role, they've got to be sitting on one. Right. Yeah, right. And it's like he never drives it. He never does anything with it. We just get a shot that it's there once. It's freaking bad. It's not even it in any subsequent panels at all. He goes from sitting on it to not sitting on it somehow. This is such a uh, unusual art style. Real graphic. Yeah. Any any memory of what how that come about? Uh, that came about because of the wheel sitting on uh, a character's head ah. i thought this is if if that hair is detailed and it's got all kinds of stuff going on that's just gonna look really ugly so i wanted to make that a neutral so that it was sitting on you know either a black area or 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 something else so that's how that came about it was like okay well this character is all blacked in now I got to do the same with with dragon, and there's a lot of harsh shadows on that page to begin with. So, yeah, they blended some weird colors into each other here. Yeah, <laughs> red to brown. All right, do what you want, guys. <laughs> Those guys we introduced in the the last page, of last issue. Let's get them in action. They they're they're doing some badassery. The uh, the newscaster that you guys all use. Oh, you know what? That's another thing about like the reading experience of this issue is you really are, made the effort to know about the other guys' comics and and blend them into the Dragon universe a little bit. Like the idea of it being a yeah. shared universe. Uh, yeah, we tried tried with a little of that. Um, you you gave everybody a little bit, man. There's a little bit of. Uh, uh, yeah, Silvestri with the cyber data. You got cyber, your blood. Cyber data is mentioned. Yeah, and then yeah, when was it issue two or three? Issue three, I get spawned in there. And Badrock, man. So you cover. Well, it's true. And Badrock, who was Bedrock at the time, right? Uh, but who uh, who created the newscaster character? That, that newscaster was... was me. That was just uh, I used a, a friend of my wife. I used her name, and it looks more like my wife than it does her. Uh, even though Janie's hair doesn't stick out quite so much. <laughs> now let's launch into brutality. Yes. 
let's get let's the, go. The bad guys have dozens of uh, civ civilian kind of hostages. Now let's just yeah, like, throw man. them up in the air. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> okay, even Joe Kubert's there. <laughs> that was my dad. <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a wild scene. It's one of those like whenever I, I can remember reading it and it having impact in that like one look at the carnage that's happening. They're just dropping and yeah. splatting like like water balloons. It, but it's genius for a superhero or especially a super villain to just be like we're just chucking these people. And Eric, man, you you got some other things in the works. You got you got yeah. a damn Dandy Don Simpson collaboration in the works here. Yeah, that was more insanity. <laughs> <laughs> It feels yeah, a little bit like Lifeo goes to Brigade, you know, sells Youngblood 1 and is like, got to get the next book out. And uh, I assume that, you know, you must have been looking around at image cells and be like, what what else am I interested in doing? And somehow the Megaton Man and Don Simpson shows up. Yeah, I don't know. I found myself suggesting that. <laughs> I don't know. It worked out all right. Yeah, the previous page, uh, Chris went a little crazy with different kinds of sound effects. And I kind of thought that was a little too jokey in a way for what the seriousness of what was going on i kind of i think i would have in retrospect would have preferred those all being a similar kind of sound effect instead of i'm i'm making this sound i'm making this crazy sound yeah I you know, it those, sound that those, i mean he tried he did a lot of different typefaces going on there yeah, these should have been all like um, softer, you know, splats and <laughs> what, what's human flesh being thrown 30 feet onto the floor? Yeah. <laughs> I do love this. He's he's doing a voice Hellraiser whenever he holds up the uh, the hostage and he's <laughs> yeah, doing he a little voice. Oh, you would hurt me, Dragon. And, and you get the vibe. Like, you see the reaction of Dragon right there. He stopped dead in his freaking tracks, man. Such good cartooning here. And then hits that full stop flip over and you cannot you cannot shy away from the fact that when he lands he grabs homeboy's head yes. in between the spikes it's a phenomenal <laughs> this whole page because like you get the final piece of that action is now from the head you're going to be flipped over into the ground destroys him yes always good with destruction eric always great with that stuff man <laughs> tear walls up and all that classic superhero stuff too you know i always think of the miller daredevil where you get Daredevil dancing through a page or through through the panels, and that's what you're getting here with with Dragon this time. This is extra ambitious, though, man. You just don't see it at like a three quarter like itro isometric perspective <laughs> down shot. Like that is you rarely see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was young and full of energy. <laughs> <laughs> Always so good at twisting these figures around too, man. Like one of the things that I like about seeing your sketches that you do at cons and things, is that. Uh, I could see how you build your figures, at least at least when you do the fast stuff, and I see the shapes that you use and um, to to construct them, and it's it's real fun to see just how you do it. It's, it's instructive, certainly for superhero comics. Good stuff to study. I would suggest it's another one of those differences between a lot of the image comics at the time and your comics, and that is movement. You know, so much of those image comics, and I loved them, but so much of them were those poses. You know, it yeah. was like. I'm going to make this guy look in a super badass cool pose. And I love that stuff. But this kind of like characters bouncing around, twisting. Um, that's what brings the life on the page, you know, seeing these characters in movement. Yeah, I was, I was more trying to tell a story, I think, than those guys weren't necessarily. Yeah. 
And it's pretty cool, the setup of Super Patriot earlier. We see him, he looks cool, but who knows what's going on. And then when he bursts into a scene that's already going south, yeah. Dra Dragon's just got a pool of blood coming out of him. Leaky, leaky bastard. <laughs> right, and that's whenever uh, Super Patriot's going to enter, the, uh, enter the, the ruckus. Oh, man. And look at those guns, dude. You could, you could hear that panel. Yes. Yeah, I like that little, like, click, 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 click. Head wound? Here's your exit wounds. It. Exit wound comics, yeah, baby. Exit wounds. <laughs> Let's do this. And then Dragon turns into a cop immediately. He's like, yo, chill out. You're killing them in cold blood. <laughs> You're not supposed to be doing that. That's not cool. <laughs> and then it, seem, it makes Patriot seem ominous. Those are big guns, and they're pointed everywhere, coming out of his damn thigh. Yes. That's the one that's going to get him. Shocks him with the, <laughs> with the, with the cod. <laughs> just left to right disrespect of the body left right boom smashing him up about to give him one of those exit wounds in the big splash right there mm. and dude look at the pose dude those legs those limp legs he feels like a limp figure that's not that's not easy to, to do <laughs> i feel like this lady was cast in all Kind of, not not in image comics, but like in pop culture. You know, that's that's Robocop's uh partner and stuff. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. Catching him with the double fists. Whenever you would uh go page to page, would would you have an idea like this in mind earlier? Or just as you're putting the pages together, you're thinking about the coolest way to <laughs> I don't even know, dude. This is thirty one years ago. Yeah, man. Also, great sound effect. You know, like that really feels like it's worthy of the impact we're seeing. Totally. And knockout punch. Everybody's yeah. down. Our boy is Everybody's leaking. Out. Man, the carnage that we see here. You know, we've got Super Patriot, we've got Vicious Circle thugs, and then we've got all the civilians who. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. They're not nice. coming out of that too easily. The, the colorist was being respectful too. He's like not going to color all of them individually so that you really see them he's pushing them to the background because the focal point is yeah, dragon in a pool of blood great expressions throughout of dragon really not looking like your cool superhero but concerned yeah and, and another another pose man that is like not easy to draw like he is completely subdued he's down on the ground Eric, did you would you reference some figure stuff? Like, would you have to like, oh, I'm gonna take a picture or have have somebody no, lay no, down no, for no. you? Not at that point. Not at that point. Get a couple. I, thousand you know, at that, at that point, was there even? I don't even know if there was the internet at that point. It was super far back. Yeah. Yeah, that would have to be like somebody posing for just, you or taking a Polaroid yeah. or something. And it's like, I at that point, I was working. Uh, by myself and my own, was that my apartment? I was, I was in a house. So yeah, we just bought a house in the East Bay. So I had, I had nothing. <laughs> it's like I could get my wife to pose for me, but she's not that beefy. Right. <laughs> Some of my favorite stuff, man, is seeing the uh, dragon fan yeah, art. there was, suddenly there's fan art. That had to be a trip, huh? Yeah, there was, there was, Super cool. Is this address a P.O. box or something? Uh, or was Westlake Village. No, that was uh, um, that was where Malibu Comics was. So this was real early on. So 
they were getting all the mail and then they would send stuff forward things to me dig one of the one of the uh sort of continuing things in the letters pages here for a little while is like when you mention graphic fantasy everybody wants copies of that uh it even gets entries in wizard magazine it has like an inflated like you know five hundred dollar price or something and you lay it out you're like listen this is you're good like just start with a (laughs) miniseries you'll be fine you're going to get the whole thing he's a different character there were just 500 of those og graphic fantasies and you'll see you'll see them pop up sometimes Oh, I know. I know. I I saw one at a convention some years back. Somebody had it and they had put a price on it because they, di- they didn't know how much it should be worth. So they were like, I'm just going to put up t- 10 times the cover price. And I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> I, I never see that thing. You're selling it for like 20 bucks. That's a bargain. Heck yeah, I'll man. Take- Heck yeah. And and you hand press those things, right? Like just on the Yeah. Yeah, though. That was a printing press that we owned. It's so cool. My dad was uh my dad was a teacher and he had workshops that he was doing. So he wanted a printing press so that we could print up all the all his handouts and stuff. And I was like, I could print comics on this. And initially I thought I could do four color comics on this and then I saw how <laughs> terrible look to us like maybe not <laughs> yeah it's ambitious man this, yeah, this art is fun colors to, to line up and i would get i was getting these terrible moray effects it's like this is a disaster but beyond the letters and the and the art here's where we go man announcing the ultimate comic book character creating contest like you're just firing on all cylinders again like buying this in real time this was the greatest thing i'd ever seen <laughs> And and we will never forgive you for not not choosing our characters. Oh wow, God, that was that. so. I announced that an issue. What issue was that? Issue, issue two. two. Holy crap! It's it's not fleshed out so much. It gets fleshed out more in issue three when when you have the exact number. Like, okay, he's going to be fighting my guy in issue ten. Like, oh, I, issue ten's in here. Oh, is it? Yeah, there's some detail here. Oh but yeah, I, it is. Yeah, yeah. My my oh. my read of that is you must have got some entries after this. And then you had to go a little bit more clear in issue three, like don't send me poster tubes. <laughs> like, yeah, a little more got, clear. It got crazy, especially as it got towards the deadline. Holy crap. Because I, um, yeah, when I, once it starts on the regular ongoing series, I had uh, I had hired a kid named Josh Icorn. He was uh, 19 years old, just out of high school. And uh I hired him to be like my toady, basically. He wasn't doing any artwork stuff. Although I would have him fill in blacks if I had a bunch of blacks on the page. But he would run and get bagels. He would type letters into the computer. I think we had a computer by that point. Um, and just any any of that sort of nonsense but but a part of it was i need somebody to go get the goddamn mail because mm-hmm. all the letters page stuff would would come to this post office box and it got crazy as we got towards the actual contest it was there is a time when he went to the post office and filled his entire car and had to go back to the post office to fill his entire car again 
and they were just giving him these big tubs to take home with him. So, so he'd, oh, he'd return them. It's like, holy shit, this is, this is gross. Like, we, <laughs> it was tens of thousands of these things. It wasn't, it wasn't a small amount at all. And it was, a, and so he, and he had a pal with him. They would just be opening up things. And we did it, uh, we judged it Star Search style. You know, I don't know if you remember Star Search at all, but okay. they would always have, this is our current winner. Are you better than our current winner? Okay, then get rid of you. All right, well, this is what we're keeping as the current winner. So if you're better than this, we'll keep you around. So eventually I had like 10 or so that I thought were decent, but Jimbo to Mighty Lobster was, was up there for, he, he was up there for quite a long time, pummeling all the cable shafts and other <laughs> equally original characters. <laughs> Let's jump into issue number three, starting off with a bang. Inferno's our guy. A lot of Kirby dots on this bitch. Yep. Broken glass everywhere. Yeah, here you go. Just action, man. This again, like I'm, I'm trying to dissect these comics to understand how to make my own comics, and it was like you got to hit the ground running. Them too. Yeah, this, this was all me taking stealing from Jack Kirby. Yeah, because that was his formula on a uh, Commandy, the last boy on earth. It would be like start with a splash, then go into a double plate spread. Of, Shit's going down. Yeah, man. Like, All right. Holy crap. We would get hold of, uh, we would get hold of like the Marvel stuff pretty, pretty cheap as kids. Uh, the Eternals, uh, uh, Devil Dinosaur, Machine Man, and it would have that same, yeah. that same energy. Always an effective way to start a comic magazine. And for all the stuff that they that they took from Kirby, it's like, how did that not become just like a template for all superhero comics? Like. That's the move. Punching him yeah. through the wall again. We saw yeah. one of these before, but this time he sticks there. Yeah, that guy's in bad shape. And then pulls him out by his face. <laughs> so badass, man. <laughs> been spending a lot of time in the hospital already. We've been there a yeah, couple of times. Jeez, that's, that's been the problem with the series in general. It's, you go, God damn, how many times am I going to draw this? establishing shot of the hospital or yeah you say that maybe as the creator but you know from a reader standpoint it really makes clear like this is a dangerous world that, yeah. that, that you've created here in savage dragon did you well, now now especially with the death toll that's gone on in the book <laughs> over the years it's like how many characters and the thing is you can cherry pick it so it's like God, Savage Dragon, man. Eric Larson is such a pig. Look how many women he has killed in his book. All his girlfriends and all this and all. And then it's like, have you seen how many men I've killed off about 10 times? <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that's Paul Kersey, uh, Death Wish stuff, man. Like, if, if a girl kisses Charles Bronson, she is not long for this world. Did you, uh, you were talking about having to come up with the design for Overlord. Uh, did you design him on the page or uh, did you? Uh, uh, no, he was in a... He was in a sketchbook, and there's a bunch of them. I had, I had like five or ten of them. There's a pile of them, and they were all equally terrible. Uh, Have those other designs yeah. showed up in the comic anywhere? Uh, mostly not. Mm -hmm. I guess I should start 
I could go start going back to my old sketchbooks and being seeing if there's anything salvageable. But right. Mostly, it's like ah, if you're not good enough for this, forget it. Um, there was a couple of cases where I would where I tried to come up with a bad guy. And I ended up going, all right, well, this guy's not good enough to be my dark side ripoff, but he's good enough to be a lackey of my dark side ripoff. <laughs> That's pretty good. Are you active in sketchbooks to this day? Uh, somewhat more, more these days I'll do like layouts in my sketchbook and um, just like trying to figure out some storytelling stuff. Uh, there's not a huge amount of character design that's going on in sketchbooks. I probably should do more, whatever. The dragon is a fan with the ladies, man. Like they, they yeah, all the ladies. And yeah, and the the thing with with Amanda Mills is she is straight up the way I was drawing Mary Jane Watson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's like there's no hiding at all. Um, the colorist didn't make her hair quite as red as as MJ's was, but that was, that was kind of the joke with her is like, Oh, it's the same goddamn character. Mm-hmm. And then in fact, later on in uh, one of the issues of the ongoing book, I took a, a page of Spider-Man original art and turned it into a page of Savage Dragon original art. I just pasted up star over Spider-Man. That's awesome. <laughs> I just thought, did they did they notice? Would they even notice this? And, and nobody ever said anything. That's hilarious. Very defiant. Yeah. <laughs> Seemed like a good idea. One of those great uses where, like, maybe you don't want to draw everybody mm-hmm. holding every microphone, so you do a you do a good silhouette piece, and that works perfectly. Yeah, yeah. it works great. It also... I, I don't do that enough. I, I I keep drawing every goddamn thing. Like that shot of 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 just the shape of a bunch of microphones. Yeah. Like up, up earlier. Yeah, that's like that that gets it across. You know that there's a bunch of people there. You know that there's a bunch of stuff. That's perfectly fine. And I never even think of it. I feel like this is a really great page in terms of showing media. And I think right. about like some again some of the other comics at that time, and the idea is like it's so well represented here. This idea of what does a media star look like in a yeah. comic book, very effective in that front. <laughs> a couple good examples of that Ollie optics banding too, with the color right here. The stuff that we were talking about earlier in the conversation, you see it right there, and you see some of that on the dragon's face there. Yeah, and, and these guys are trying at this point to give bad rock at texture yeah it just doesn't work no see he looks very pimply yeah uh when it when we did the trade paperback of this they recolored uh this to get rid of some of that stuff because that that was not cool right yeah very blotchy yeah eric when you're drawing veins like this are you going in with like white media to kind of make those veins pop yeah I'm going in with, with generally I'm taking white out after I've drawn the straight lines. And and those veins are based on nothing. They're they're that's not how veins work at all. <laughs> Comics just, baby. It's just like, oh, he's got a million veins. Like, okay, whatever, dude. The Badrock character is a funny character to think about because it's a super gigantic brawny body, but he's supposed to be like a thirteen year old. And I feel like if the government 
got hold of a 13 year old that was like that they wouldn't let him loose at all because imagine having that naivete it's actually this is the perfect time like when i was reading it i was like in middle school and that's like when puberty is kind of starting and now when you get into a fight with somebody like a bone can get broken or like you could really get freaking beat up bad so i was like i had a close connection to the idea of a very strong (laughs) 13 year old and was almost terrified (laughs) This is a situation where um, I didn't know how many fingers Bad Rock had. Because right. Rob, Rob hadn't really uh, defined that. He would draw it different in different panels. Right. So on the cover, I, I had given him, uh, I had actually given him four fingers. And I was like, I got to put, I got to put a big caption over, over it so that you don't see that I drew the wrong number of fingers. And then I gave him five in the interior. And then it was shortly thereafter that he established, no, he has four fingers. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> How did you like Rob's characters? Like, like, did you look at the Bad Rock design besides the fingers and think this is a cool character? It fits yeah, in yeah, yeah. I thought, all, I thought that, those guys were cool. Um, I thought most of Rob's character designs were, were pretty neat looking. Um, yeah, it, it it varied from from person to person uh, in terms of characters that I like the design of. Great set piece here, man! Uh, knocking Bad Rock into the uh, elevator shaft. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that was again coming back to that that Jack Kirby stuff, where it's when you get into a fist fight, it's like, no, it's going to be a tour of the town. We're going we're to go up here. We're going to go over there. We're going to get as much kind of visual variety as we can in terms of location shots. Like now they're in an elevator. Now they're outside. Now he's flying through the air. Whatever. I got hold of these comics just uh, after the Image Zero deadline. So I never had the opportunity to send in for Image Zero. I sent in. I got my copy after, I don't know, after quite, you quite a few years. <laughs> After you got married? Yes. <laughs> there we go. That was like a really early first figuring out Dragon's fin and what he looks like shot. But you can see his fin is an absolute mess. <laughs> the fin mohawk is just a fantastic idea. Once you see it, you wonder like, how come people haven't done that? Even in the 70s when like punk rock was fresh and yes. all that kind of thing. Yeah. It's genius. It's, and there's the, there's the spawn. Is this Tom Morzikowski lettering? Uh, no, this is Chris Iliopoulos imitating Tom Morzikowski lettering. That's so cool. Because, yeah, we're trying to make it look as, as much like, you know, because I had Todd's, uh, I think he faxed it over or something. I had it so that I could kind of trace it off. Yeah, there's very like there's a scene like this that happens in the the Spawn miniseries, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, it's I lifted it directly from the. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool keeping up with that, you know, cohesive universe amongst right. all the titles. Yeah, and I love we're in this elevator shaft. You get the red coloring to make it very clear where this different scene exactly. Mm-hmm. Another great move with that DeLuca, right? Kicking Bad Rock literally in his ass. Yes. <laughs> Would there be issues with with 
like Rob would would he would he want to see how you were treating Bad Rock? Uh, no, he didn't. He was fine. That's cool. Man, I so want to imagine everybody's got to protect their character. We, like we Bad Rock wouldn't go down in one punch. We had Peter Laird. Uh, we interviewed him about a month ago, and he was talking about there was some uh, a- animation related image comic that was like three titles. It was like Wildcats, Ninja Turtles, and then it might have been like Skeleton Warriors. It was some sort of Krusty Bunker continuity yeah. property. And he said that like there was all this infighting and arguing where like all three of the characters had to be the exact size <laughs> on the cover so that like neither none of them were diminished. Yeah, that's always a tough thing one to do. I did a uh, I did a pinup for a for a company that was coming up called Ania. It was an association of of black uh, creators. Yeah. They had six different characters. And it was like, hey, do this. Can you do this pinup that had all six? But it's like, nobody wants their character to not be the star. But if you make all six characters the same size, then it's really boring. It's a boring shot. So it took a lot of doing to go, how can I compose this so that they're not all the same size? You know, so, and, but there'll be something that draws attention to each of the individual characters. It's a pain in the ass. I need to find that piece, man. Do you know it? I don't know it. Because no. we know the Anaya books, man. Nebu Hodge and, uh, and crew. Yeah, we yeah, looked at some of that stuff. I had it some. Didn't that I one guy, think... he, like, he like climbed on top of like a state building to promote his comic or something? Yeah, I think in Atlanta. Yeah, it was in the Comics Journal. Like, like <laughs> authorities had to come and stuff. Yeah. I love this dragon goes underwater to help Bad Rock, right? He feels bad. He's made of rock. You can't let him drown under there. Right. And of course, Bad Rock sucker punches him. Yeah, catches him with a, with a, with a cheapo. And then you got the dragon emerging from the water, man. Yeah, that color hole doesn't quite work. He looks like he's got invisible legs. <laughs> he's jumping out of the water. Like, yeah, it's so uh, interesting. You can see where they cut it off, too, with the... Yeah. Uh, with the, yeah, the lasso like tools or whatever it's really interesting because i never noticed before but you have a color hold on the buildings in the background here you know they're kind of a navy color yeah. so it's it's uh still dark and at a glance it just reads but when you look closer yeah your figures in the foreground are the black ones trying to, trying to push it back a little bit yeah yeah real good depth and this is the part that hooks you where it's like i have to as yes. soon as as soon as issue one comes out like you gotta yeah. get your hands on this man What's i was following this arc deeply and you know what, I, like like Eric, I'm gonna tell you, man. When uh, whenever I would get a fresh issue, I was looking forward to this as much as anything else. Like I have to see what's up with the old lady. Yeah, because you know, because it's like this is origin stuff. We never get his origin. What's going on here? Where'd this come out? Perfect visual placement, right? Totally. Side like like parallel images of those two characters. You, what a great panel! You hear it in the conversation. Eric is thinking storytelling with this stuff. It's not all just jerking off, drawing fucking big money shots. Gotta hook him in. But they, look, there's a there's a money shot. That's payback. Yeah, he he got he gave him the receipt. Yeah, this this is your uh, this is what started it, and there's your payback. <laughs> This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the whole conceit is uh, Bad Rock just wants to see if Savage Dragon can muster up to be a, to be a young blood after they destroyed. And you call it like 
thousands of dollars of damage, but I would say tens of millions, $100 million (laughs) worth of damage. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great... This feels... This is one of those moments that feels like uh, Savage Dragon overall felt like a different version of a superhero comic. Like you were doing things that you couldn't do at Marvel where the characters got to stay the same and everybody has to live. This felt like, ooh, we're doing superhero comics without rules. And this makes sense. You know, like it is stupid. This is ridiculous. And of course, Dragon's going to arrest him. This was this was pretty interesting storytelling to me as as a reader at the time. Yeah, it was a good sales point too. I remember, like, oh, he's 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 a, just a Chicago cop. No costumes and stuff. And that was right at the age, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade, where it's like, you know, that's superhero stuff, the spandex, all that, a little bit whack, man. Uh, so the yeah. dude's running around in a wife beater T-shirt and some some Oakley blades on, fucking people up. Amazing. Always fun to see. This is a precursor to Image X Month, right here, man. <laughs> uh, because always fun to see you guys draw each other's characters and just see what that looks like. And I always felt yeah. like the, the the artists who created the characters are the ones who draw them. Like, they look so supremely off-model if, uh, if anybody else draws them in. But this is pretty good young blood right here. Got all right. This scene is always seems really silly to me. Which scene? The release? Just that, that, that uh, skull face is... is calling up Frank Darling on the phone. Yeah, you know what's funny? It's like... You know, it's like, it's your refrigerator running. (laughs) Totally. But also, he doesn't have lips. And uh, the lips, like, just try to say some stuff without using your lips. So he's kind of like... Well, uh, the idea is he's got invisible skin. Ah, I see. What that's supposed to be. It doesn't doesn't make any sense. Because he later on has has a kid who's... Got, he's got a skull face and he's blue and he's got lightning. It's like, this doesn't make any sense, but it just looked cool, so whatever. But but uh, with the stuff with with, with uh, Frank here, like, we got two good pieces to bring us into the next series, man. You got the Rodney arc and yeah. and uh, our like chief of police. Oh, gutted. Gutted knowing, ending this way as a reader and it was just like... Come on, Frank betraying Dragon. Yeah, totally. Like, we got to see where that goes. And the cool thing about the series is that that that's not the MacGuffin for the whole series. Like, you solved that in seven issues, I think. Uh, it's pretty snappy. So, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. you create more concerns later. And, and that's that's always my my uh, complaint. We were talking about off-camera earlier with, with like, the pamphlet comics of, of today where uh, you, read a, a, you read a Stanley Kirby book they're putting so much into those issues, man. You're getting complete ideas and Kirby's always introducing new stuff and then you resolve it fast. And nowadays, like they come up with an idea that's probably a good idea, but Kirby would have done it in an issue. They stretch it over a bunch of issues. Oh, yeah, yeah. It becomes a series and then you're abusing your, your reader. They, they just spent $26, $25 to, to read your <laughs> thing over that's a half crazy. a year. To read uh, it. And meanwhile, I'm thinking my book is set in real time, so characters are aging, and things have got things are changing constantly, and I can't do a story that's six issues long because it just seems like it's forever. Yeah. Was yeah. Was J. Scott Campbell part of Jim Lee's crew when he drew this, or was that just an independent? It was not yet. He he submitted. Uh, he submitted characters to the create a character contest 
And some of the characters that were in his group ended up in uh, Gen 13. So it was sort of like, wait a minute, I thought I thought Jim Lee was presenting himself as having created those characters. Oh. But clearly they were in his this guy's back pocket when he was pitching that stuff. Wow. That's amazing, man, because like he owns them now. Or, he owns or, I, guess, now, yeah. or I guess DC yeah, owns right. them now, DC man. Time Warner or yeah. something. You know what, man, just like thinking about him, you know what? I'm glad you didn't choose J. Scott Campbell's character as your villain because he won this Nintendo Power Contest when we were kids, and they chose his to win this big grand prize that they were teasing for a year, this contest of, like, invent your own video game. And he was the winner, about 15 years oh, old. Wow. He looks like a goddamn Alfred E. Newman in his photo in that, <laughs> in that issue of uh, a Nintendo Power. So I'm glad he didn't get two bites of that kind of apple. He just has to settle with being a Gen 13 guy. <laughs> Fantastic, man. Uh, what a trip. This, I'm going to be honest, Jimmy, I was looking for an excuse just to, just to reread this. Yes. And to have the creator of the book with us to go through it, to talk about that time and place, is just a, an incredible thing to get on the record. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for joining oh, sure. us. <laughs> Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, I had no idea what you guys wanted to talk about when you started this thing. <laughs> so I was like, oh, wait a minute. 30 years ago, holy crap. Yeah, listen. Don't get into the Wayback Machine here. What can I remember? <laughs> Not much. Well, let's talk about the present day before we get out of here, man. Uh, what are you working <laughs> on these days? What is forthcoming? And uh, when can we expect to see the Savage Dragon, I guess Image calls them, studio editions? You, you, don't, you don't see the two... <laughs> Spawn ones that Todd McFarlane uh, put out, oh, and, yeah, and you don't yeah. go. You know, I wish I would have some something like that. The vault edition that he did. Two of them. Yeah, whatever. I just, you know, I'm too busy trying to make new comics that all this other stuff comes up, and it's like, oh my god, there's all this work that needs to go into them. Well, Josh Icorn needs to dust off his retirement papers and get back to work. I know. I know. Josh is Josh is not picking up his side of the couch. <laughs> <laughs> so what issue uh, is on the drawing board right now right now it's uh two what is it 266 i think something like that uh, it's the the team uh the the family is is moving basically <laughs> so that, that's the that's the big one is it is i was like all right, I've kind of done as much Toronto stuff as, as I've got. Uh, Eric Stevenson at one point said, you should set the book in San Francisco. You know where that's all about. You, you know that place inside now. You live there. So I was like, I had thought about it for a while. And I was like, yeah, what, what the hell? Why don't I do that? So I'm just going to move the characters to... I'm not going to have them be in my house just because I, I don't want people knocking at my door. But <laughs> dude, Savage Dragon in the Tenderloin. Let's 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 see what that looks like, yeah, man. Let's see what that's all about. <laughs> um, yeah, because I'm I'm in the I'm in the Upper Hate in the Hate Ashbury area, which is, I mean, it's awesome, but <laughs> at the same time, it's like, what an amazing yeah. comic book town, man. Do you ever go to like Last Gasp and? Well, I guess they don't have the same warehouse or something when we were there wasn't it, it the last i've time? never never been there um i mean there's comic shops all over the place there's like three comic shops within walking distance of where i live that's a nice feature 
So yeah, it's pretty nice. So I'm kind of midway between two of them, but then Isotope is a little bit further away. Isotope was the joint, man. I had a I had a book release party there uh, the the weekend of Ape one year for my hip hop family tree stuff, and it was the coolest book release ever, man. There were so many people uh, showing up there. They uh, uh, James uh, Syme mm-hmm. had uh, special bartenders creating drinks that were related to the comic and things, man. <laughs> such a fun comic. Yeah, he's comic. he's a great guy. He's a great guy. I I used to go to his store on a regular basis, but the problem is parking down there was such a bitch yeah but there would be times that i'm like i'm ready to go and get comics and i'm circled for 45 minutes on a camp park so we i I end up going to one of the stores that's more local to me just because it's 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 easier my introduction to san francisco was that trip and i was there with tom shioli and uh we we land and we hit the hotel for two seconds and we're like, yo, let's go find Isotope Comics. So you got to go down the hill through the Tenderloin and all that. And Tom Tom was like, I want to um, I want to get a baseball hat. I, like, Ed, man, it's sunny out. I like your hat. Like, I want to get a baseball hat. So we went to like the lids or something like down the hill. And the very first citizen of San Fran that I experienced was a dude with two hook hands trying on baseball caps picking them up with his little hooks. Wow. And then and then from there you go another couple hundred feet and then now you're at the tenderloin and it and it just you smell the piss. Oh, it's it's that area of town is just it's just bad news. It was amazing. <laughs> it was pretty freaking incredible. Oh, look, here's somebody shooting up in their leg. <laughs> I got more streetwise. Uh just just going from the hotel to uh to Isotope. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, there are there are better paths than through the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, thank you so much for 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 joining us, man. Uh, taking this little trip down uh, memory lane, looking at one of the most important comics to to us as as young comic creators that cut, sort of bolstered our ideas of comics making, what that could be, and uh, just showing off that once you get this position, you can make your comic whatever you want it to be and draw all the fun stuff. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the cool thing about creator own comics, man. He's just like, oh, what do I feel like drawing today? All right, I'll do that. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, hope we could chat again soon, man. Maybe put uh, Revenge of the Sinister Six under under the microscope with you or something like that. All right. Take care, uh, man. Take care. You know where to find me.